0: good morning everybody welcome to morning chat good news and politics with julian Hoes. if anybody doesn't know my name is julian Hoes, managing director of the think tank vocal europe focusing on european affairs and eu foreign affairs the weather today it's 15 degrees in amsterdam 15 degrees in brussels 17 degrees in paris 12 degrees in london and 17 degrees in bucharest We have some more good news on the coronavirus front at the moment. Governments are starting to take this seriously. With the decrease in daily infections and deaths, lockdowns are being raised, restrictions are being raised. Today, we have children who are starting to be able to go out and play, which is only good news. It's going to mean that our streets are going to be filled with more laughter, more happiness and a little bit more joy than usual. And of course, shops are continuing to open. However, there is always, always need to be cautious. People still need to continue to be as self-isolating as they can and to help protect themselves and their loved ones, regardless of where you live, regardless of what the government is saying about lockdowns being able to be raised. We all need to be careful. Now, I have three questions today, one that popped up literally 20 minutes ago. So, first of all, How is Charles de Gaulle regarded in France today? Now, for anybody who doesn't know who Charles de Gaulle is, Charles de Gaulle is a French hero, a former president, and a man who has a bit of a complex history in France. Now, a lot of people view him in light of what he did during World War II, where he was effectively the the leader of the Free French Forces and of the French people overall. So, while France was occupied by Germany, and while there was a free France in the south, led by Marshal Pétain, uh, the, uh, General de Gaulle was the man who, in actuality, was leading France and was negotiating with the UK, the US and other allied forces to help protect French people and devise plans to bring the military forces of the Allies to the liberation of France. Now, Charles de Gaulle has a complex legacy because he also presided over the conflict in Algeria and a number of issues in France that do have lasting impacts today in France and for many French people. Now, For many young people who learn about the history of France, one of the key aspects that always stands out is what happened during World War Two. Our country was occupied, our country was being exploited, and uh, de Gaulle is the man who, in effect, led the drive to liberate our country and made our country free again and then led it in subsequent times. So he has a very positive image in that aspect, and he is still considered the national hero. However, there are certain aspects of French society that don't view him in a positive light, particularly those on the far left, because of the way that he behaved towards uh, Algerians, or the way he's perceived to have behaved towards Algerians. Despite the fact that his actions did lead to to the freedom of the Algerian people and Algeria being left as its own state, he is still regarded as a bit of a tyrant and a man who did exploit the Algerian people, and try to force Algeria to forgo its freedom. Of course, it depends on a person, but overall he does have a positive image in France to the point that there are still people who follow his political philosophy called Gaulism, which is very much one of an independent France that doesn't need to rely on international institutions and is in some ways relatively conservative. So we can say that former French President Nicolas Sarkozy was a Gaullist. And the old uh, Union, the Mouvement Populaire, and even the current Republicans, are a, you could argue, a Gaullist organization, not just a conservative organization in the way that we would view, let's say, the UK or Germany, for example. Now, the second question that I have, and just so you know, if any of you have any questions, just stick them below. I'll answer them as they come up. If you have any comments... ahead and make them, I'm happy to interact and respond. But the second question I have is are there any positives from the coronavirus crisis that we can take? Again this is another complicated issue, this is another complicated topic because of course we don't want to start talking about positives now in the midst of the crisis and the pandemic and we don't want to we don't want to paper over the problems with the coronavirus pandemic as it happens. However, I believe there are some positives that we can take from the situation, particularly at the European level. Pardon me. Now, the for me, one of the primary things that are going to be a positive result of the coronavirus crisis is the fact that the European Union is going to see that it has to be more more self-sufficient, more independent and it has to actually do more to maintain its own independence from the international market, particularly through taking products from China or the US or from other states and buying them rather than producing them domestically. We're already seeing that it's more than possible to cover the, the the production of medical equipment of medical supplies as we're seeing this happening across the EU. We are seeing in France for example a lot of organizations that were working in fashion or they were working in uh, perfumery or in cosmetics are now producing things such as masks, they're now producing things such as uh, hydroalcoholic gel. They are now producing the equipment that our countries need to be able to cope with the crisis and My hope is that this is going to continue on the European level and that the European Union is going to take this seriously. However, of course, this all depends on political necessity and whether these political parties that are going to be coming to power in subsequent elections are going to see the value in this. But I think this is a very good and this links into another thing that is happening and a change that's happening at a European level, where the European Commission, particularly the Competition Commissioner, is starting to take a better view of the idea of European champions. Now, many don't know this, but the European Commissioner for Competition did nix a merger between multiple larger companies that would have allowed the uh, European Union to have larger organizations that would be able to better compete internationally against Europe, uh, American business giants and Chinese business giants. And the problem with this is that while the understanding is in some ways correct that smaller businesses would be impacted by the fact that there will be this overwhelming force in the market, the problem is this then leads leaves our countries in an exposed situation where we don't necessarily have the economic clouds in companies to combat the developments happening in Asia and America. This is going to change. This, this has to change because the EU has seen how, with the way China has behaved, the way the US has behaved, we can't rely on countries outside of the European Union. We have to be self-sufficient. We have to prioritize our own needs. We have to prioritize our businesses. And we need to push forward with this idea of having large European companies, mega companies, whatever you want to call it, that are able to manage and support the European economy, support our needs and produce what is going to make the European economy stronger. We need to see what happens with the next commissioners mandate and what they want to do. But my hope sincerely is that we do manage to push forward with this idea. Another positive is that we're seeing that uh, populists are very clearly showing in public they're not as powerful or as all-knowing or as useful in any case as they pretend to be. Now in some cases we've got populists are doing what they in a smart manner should be doing strategically by being quiet. So uh, I would point out Marine Le Pen has not been heard of for months now. I think someone should probably go check up on her because she's just gone missing in action. But the majority are in control and they are making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. Case in point, uh, American President Donald Trump talking about how people need to start injecting bleach into their veins to combat coronavirus. I don't think I need to really make much of a comment on that. It's probably as effective as drinking I'm not going to say it's very useful. In fact, please just don't do that. You've got Jair Bolsonaro, who's leading protests against against medical experts, against institutions, against all of these people who are supposed to be leading us through the crisis. And it's leading to mass protests in Brazil, one of the only countries where this is happening alongside the US, against the lockdown against measures that are supposed to protect us and the people that we love. In Hungary, you're seeing that the, the government, aside from enacting a power grab, doesn't have the solutions to what it wants to do. Viktor Orban is looking bad, quite frankly. You've got the situation in Poland where they're using this to steal, like, steal away women's rights and uh, weaken social protections for people that need the protections. And in Italy, you've got Salvini making a fool of himself whenever he opens his mouth by turning this into rather than a case of protecting Italian and European lives into a situation where we need to be fighting against the EU at a time when we need solidarity. These, believe it or not, are all positive things because it's showing to the people that these people don't know what they're doing, what to do. And have no solutions. And this comes at the possibly the best time when Italy is becoming a, a eurosceptic country. More and more Euro- Italians are failing to see the benefit of the EU and particularly with the early failings in the coronavirus response. The European Union was doing a bad job of putting forward the case for EU membership. That is changing as I'm going to mention shortly but The failings of populists are just as useful as the successes of Europeans and the European Union in making sure that the European Union can continue to thrive and can continue to progress in its development. And of course it's very important to note that a lot of people say the EU is failing blah blah blah. The EU has not been around for that long. The EU is still in its infancy and we're still building up the project as we can so people should be much more it helps to be a bit more understanding of where the EU is in its developments. If it was a nation-state, it would be, I'd say, post-colonial war USA, for example. Let's put it that way. Now, the final question, one that I've seen a lot of confusion on, particularly when I've been talking to people myself on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, even fellow Federalists and uh, Europhiles have had some problem understanding what the concrete steps that the EU has actually taken regarding the coronavirus recovery funding. Now this is a very complex topic just because the fact that there are so many moving parts. so I understand that a lot of people simply don't have the they simply don't have the knowledge of what is happening and what's going on. But I'm here to answer your questions, I'm here to help you guys out, and I'm here to make this all clearer for you guys to better understand what's going on. Now, first of all, the EU initially put together a 37 billion Euro emergency fund to help the EU member states to actually deal with the crisis. There were complaints that countries such as Poland were taking a disproportionate amount of this with Poland having, I believe it was around 7 billion of this money for itself. But this emergency fund is not only to deal with the current crisis as it stands, but also to build up resilience for the second wave, to build up resilience for future outbreaks and to protect the states themselves when they need protecting and to help them fund their activities and protect their economies and their people. Now, this was an early reaction to the crisis. This was very much a, um, we'll say it was a, it was a reactionary knee jerk uh, in the hopes of stimmying what was happening and just to show that the EU was active. It has had some effect. We're not going to know how much until after this crisis has resolved and we've seen in-depth analysis. But for the time being, it was a positive step. And it was the, uh, the plug in the wall that prevented more water than we could handle getting in. I'd say. Aside from this, there is now the talk of the EU's 2 trillion euro post coronavirus fund. Now, this is another very complex thing. This is still in the planning stages. So a lot of people, nothing's going to be ironed out for a while. None of this is going to be really all of that, all that clear until the plans have actually dropped on uh, Commission President Ursula von der Leyen's desk and we are able to actually see what the plan proposes and what people are planning on giving to the EU and taking. But effectively, this 2 trillion euro post-coronavirus fund is going to be funded in two ways. So the plan is that it's going to be a part of the, it's going to be funded in part by the MFF, so the EU's multi-annual financial framework. And this is going to be used to fund a part of it and form a part of what is going to restrengthen and reinforce the EU's the EU's economy and allow the EU to move forward with the reforms that it believes it will need to recover from the crisis and to ensure that European businesses can continue. Now there is also the, another part of this funding of this recovery plan, which is the European Recovery Instruments. So this is going to be separate from the MFF and temporary. And this is primarily going to be using the Solidarity Clause in the Treaty for the Functioning of the European Union, particularly Article 122. And this hopes that to raise around about 320 billion euros in capital markets, to form a war chest of sorts to support the EU's ability to recover from this crisis. Now, out of this three hundred and twenty billion euros, half of this is going to stay within the budgets to be used to combat things as they come and to reinforce the EU's ability to cope. And a half of this is going to be loaned to the member states, which is going to directly go into help them recover from. What many are predicting to be a ten percent in GDP drop, which is unheard of. The, the last time anything close to this happened was in during the World War Two, I believe. Honestly, and this is going to also allow the EU to actually protect its interests and effectively ensure that member states aren't left behind, that the the ones that don't need it as much get what they need, and those like Italy and Spain that have been almost entirely hamstrung and crippled will get as much of the funding that they possibly can to rebuild their economies as quickly as possible, get people working, get people active in the economy, get people active in social life, and allow organisations involved with the coronavirus combating we're talking hospitals, doctors, medical organizations, uh, medical equipment manufacturers to get in to a position where they have recovered from the crisis and where they are able to sufficiently deal with any future outbreaks that may occur. Now this is all planned to come into place on January the 1st 2021 when the next multi-annual financial framework or in simple terms the EU's multi-annual budget comes into effect, but first there would need to be an agreement between the member states who will need to agree on what is going to go into this, what they're going to fund it with, how much they're going to fund it with, what this is going to be used for, where this is going to be prioritized, and how exactly this is going to work. This wasn't discussed, and this isn't planned to be discussed this week, I believe that the discussions for this are going to take place next Monday in a a summit of some sort, but ultimately the EU member states are all working together to make sure that this works for everybody. This is going to be decided in the coming two or three weeks, I believe, and you can imagine that there's going to be the typical combating between the fiscal hawks, the fiscal doves, and everybody in between because everybody's going to have an opinion on this. While this may not be corona bonds, while this may not be euro bonds, there have been movements from states such as Germany with Angela Merkel Supporting the ideas of bonds to help support the EU member states such as Italy and Spain to combat this But these are all going to be limited and of course, we don't know what is going to actually happen at the European level because of the fact that No work has really been done to actually put down the framework and do the groundwork within national parliaments to actually bring some kind of idea from the member states to the Commission to negotiate this with however This is going to happen over the coming weeks this is going to happen soon and we can only wait and see what happens now everybody thank you very much for tuning in like always it's a pleasure to be able to answer your questions to give you guys the answers that you're asking for and to cover the topics that you want now the next episode will be on wednesday the 29th of april so I would like to invite everybody to share this episode with your friends and family. You can now find this on YouTube, you can find this on Spotify, you can find this on Apple Podcasts, you can find this on Anchor. This is, you can find this in just about any form you want now, audio, video, aside from text. However, thank you again guys, please follow me on Twitter, follow me, like, like this video on YouTube. Follow me on Spotify, follow me on YouTube. Just keep an eye out for future episodes. Let me know what you guys would like to hear. I've got a, my DMs are open for anybody. If you have any comments you want to add to videos, go ahead. I am happy to answer any questions that you guys have. I'm happy to cover any topics that you guys would like. This doesn't necessarily need to be strictly politics. If you have a a question about a local issue in your section of Europe, in your town in your city in, or even if you wanted me to answer a question on let's say human rights or international aid or something of this sort please get in touch i am happy to answer your questions i am happy to give you all the support that you need to understand what's happening in the world and what is going on around you so please do not hesitate to get in touch thank you again for listening to this episode it's much appreciated and look after yourselves. These are tough times, everybody is suffering, everybody's handling this differently, but be kind to those around you, support the people that you need to support, and let's just do our best to help each other out and make this all work for everybody. Thank you very much, have a nice day, and see you Wednesday.